0: how to handle difficult clients, how to make clients feel appreciated and valued, and how to handle and overcome objections. It might be time to ask for some help. That's why we're here. Lone Team Training has our next live wow training coming up We train your team for you so you can focus on closing loans. Check it out at LoanTeamTraining.com for our next class and see how many five-star reviews we have from past WOW training participants and their loan officers who sent them at LoanTeamTrainingReviews.com. Remember, it's an interactive virtual training with live trainers and we train any of your support staff that is communicating with clients and referral partners. Our sessions are 9 to 1130 Pacific time. Check us out and sign your loan partner or team member up at loanteamtraining.com. the Loan Officer Team Training Podcast. I'm your host, Irene DuFord, and I have with me a very special guest today. I know I say that all the time. Every week I say that, but that's because I only have special guests on my podcast. And today I have Joel Sharpton, who is my podcast producer. And I'm super excited to have him on here. And I want to say welcome, Joel. I'm really excited about the stuff we're going to talk about today because today we're going to cover some stuff about Uh, podcasting and how it can help and just different things about it. Not necessarily that you have to go do a podcast, but it will be fun to kind of just share some ideas because I know you have so many ideas that you've given me, Joel. So welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Irene, for having me on the show. Uh, First of all, all of your guests are special, so don't uh, dismiss that thought. Yes, you introduce most folks that way, but it's true. I've told you that your circle of people are really truly amazing irene i i very frankly had not done a lot of homework before you and i started working together and i did not know you other than by the referral that sent you to me yes and his word renee rodriguez uh, shared you with me and said ah take care of irene so i knew you must be somebody uh, that was worth my my time and attention right but i didn't know the reputation that you had or the history that you had in the industry and it's funny as I've gone through your episodes and I hear how your guests respond to you, I've done a couple of industry events even since uh, I started working on your show and I mention you or I mention your show and they're like, "Oh, really? Oh, 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 you're with the Freedom Club, folks. Oh my goodness." You know, so you have a great reputation and I am very thankful to to be aligned with you working on this show and to be on this episode specifically.
0: Well, thank you. What I'd love to talk about, just jump right in and talk about what is it that you love about producing podcasts? Let's talk about that first.
1: You and I were just talking about it a little bit before we hit record. This is, and I tell my sons this because I, and my daughters too, although they're a little bit younger, I want at least one of my children to take this business over from me. I feel like I'm cheating the universe, Irene. (laughs) I get paid to listen to great content from ambitious people in varied industries as they bring on people they're interested in and admiring of or uh, longing to to emulate in some way and they all download their knowledge for me and i get paid to listen to that and go through it and, and make it better and more concise and more precise for the the listening public or the viewing public. I started out in the audio world. I, I come from radio, small market radio. I started in 2004 doing the overnight show. I was doing like midnight to six.
0: <laughs> and
1: I have always loved audio. I've followed, I didn't know this at the time that I started in radio, but I've since learned the story of the Memphis Recording Company, the group behind stars like Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash and Jerry Lee Lewis Sam Phillips was uh, his motto with the Memphis Recording Company was we'll record anything anywhere anytime. And <laughs> he just wanted to capture the world around him and the sounds that it made. I think audio especially, is an intimate medium. We tend to take it in in our earbuds alone in the car while we're driving, maybe in the shower, even on a on a waterproof speaker or something. But even when we share it, it's, it's intimate in that it's coming one way and we're letting someone else dream for us. You know, when we yes. listen to a storyteller, we're letting someone else imagine or dream for us. And that is super powerful that we give that up. I, it's one of the reasons why I like audiobooks almost more than, than textbooks or even eBooks these days, because I, I get to literally play it out in my mind. Also, And the same thing with podcasting, you can do those things while you're doing other things. So for high performers like yourself or your your audience that are – time is not a resource that they have a lot of. When you can take advantages of those little holes in time where some people might use Twitter or scroll endlessly on their phone or drift off into negative thinking – we can fill that time with learning, education, or even just entertainment. Right? Something silly from time to time is good too. But that's how I fell in love with with audio. I moved into podcasting from radio because I wanted to own my own work. Anywhere yes. you work in radio, it's it's going to be a corporate structure. My corporate structure was very small. It was only four station group, four stations that worked together as a group. But still, any idea I came up with, a great show, a great interview I had, some funny jingle, all of that was someone else's property. Think of what's happening now with comics creators as their movies are being made with those ideas. Maybe they're getting a little bonus 5000 check check from, from Disney, but they're not getting a percentage because they didn't own – that IP. With podcasting, you own your own IP. There are no gatekeepers. There are no money men, middlemen in between to, to cut you out of the thing. And that's true for business owners too. And I saw that opportunity early on and said, let me lean into this and turn it into a business. I am so thankful to get to do what I do. And I really do. I do feel like I'm cheating the universe, Irene.
0: Yeah. And I love to see people who love what they do for a living. Cause that's what I, I love, what I get to do for a living. And it's such a blessing, isn't it? To, to love what you do and to kind of feel giddy about it. You know,
1: every day is full of hardships, no matter who you are, or what you do, everybody has troubles and it's not about how big your troubles are versus someone else. It's about learning to lean into those struggles to find a struggle that you can enjoy and Maybe it, for my own case, here, here's, and I know mindset is one of the things that you like to talk about most, and we're going to get there mm-hmm. eventually, but one of the big changes for me was to take personal responsibility. I, I've i been listening to Jim Rohn lately.
0: Oh, that's a good person to listen to.
1: <laughs> right, right. But I literally, I'm listening to, I'm currently listening to an audiobook from him that's like a collection of his speeches and things all put together. It's like 11 hours worth of content. And personal responsibility is the chapter that I just passed over. And it's, I used to think even five, 10 years ago, these self-help gurus are people who were like, you just got to take responsibility. You just got to take action, positive movement, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, yeah, but they don't take into account all the negative circumstances, all the biases that people have to face, et cetera, et cetera. I realized that's not what it's about at all. And this finally made it hit home for me that the whole concept of personal responsibility is not about blame or or looking down on people who don't achieve or anything about that it's literally just about you it's not about anybody else that's it's right. about my situation right now and how can i improve it if you don't like things in your life if your whole ethos is about well the government's bad or this group is bad or my negative relatives are bad or i've never been taught how to use money etc 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 then you have no hope because you can't change any of those things. Yes. Whereas if you say to yourself, I can work harder, I'm good at these things. I have these relationships to lean on. I know this information that I can share. I know these resources that I can tap into to gain more skills and knowledge. Then you have not just hope, but like possibility and expectation. And you've got a goal to strive for it. It, Anyway, it's, it's a total shift, but that, that shift has, it's revolutionized my business. It's made me a lot happier on a day-to-day basis. And I'm, <laughs> I've am i become a real evangelist for it, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It's so fun though. So in, in podcasting and in your business, the different things that you've done throughout your life, what's one experience that you've had that might've been hard- but you really learned something really good, and none of this is pre-planned. Just for the listeners to know, I didn't ask Joel any of these questions in advance. This is this is just conversation that we're having, which is my favorite way to do the podcast.
1: There, I mean, I've had a bunch. I've had a lot. I'm I'm divorced and remarried. My wife, my, the love of my life, Kelly, is the she was a widow when she and I met. Her husband died due, due to to self harm, uh, very young both of us could have just sat in those sadnesses. We like to call ourselves a second act story? <laughs> I love second act stories. I think they're I think they're the best those twists that come after a while when things look gloom and and dim and not just good can come out of that but but triumphant good, you know? Yeah. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I wouldn't have found her and we would never have connected if either one of us hadn't suffered those tragedies. I'm not saying if I couldn't get in a time machine and take those back from us, I wouldn't. But at the same time, without them, I wouldn't have this person that is everything to me. Yeah. So that's one, that failure, that, that crash. I learned a lot from that. However, the one that I want to lean into and talk about a little bit is the crash of my business. We were talking before the recording about the beginning of the pandemic and how that changed my own podcasting, and it did pretty rapidly. It also decimated my my business. I got cut in half in a week. I was working with a ton of hobbyists, people whose podcasts were about And I don't want to pick on these areas, but they were about a TV show or they were about, you know, their lover of a sports team. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think podcasting is an excellent medium for that. And there's also money to be made through those hobbies. Ask my friend and client, Jonathan Oaks. He runs uh, Trivial Warfare. That show is all about trivia. It started just because he and his buddies like to do pub trivia and they wanted to bring that experience to the podcasting world, but it's evolved. He's got four, five, six shows. I think now he's got a whole media group and he's making almost as much money from podcasting as he is from his very cushy job. There's money in those hobbies, but- For a podcast producer, there's not a lot of consistency in those hobby areas. I am disposable income for those folks. Yes. So what I learned through that experience, and I did get cut in half. I reached out, first of all, to the network that I had and the folks that I knew, some of my older clients. I raised rates on some older clients that I had had for a long time at the same rate. I, I told them exactly what I was facing. And I said, would you mind, you know, would this be an, un, let's do it over a month or something like that. We'll make the shift. Every one of them, without a doubt, said, absolutely, let's lean back in. They understood the circumstances. They were probably facing similar circumstances in their own business. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I did was I reached out to a couple of folks in the real estate and mortgage industries. I reached out to Dustin Brome and and Phil Treadwell. Phil Treadwell runs the Mortgage Marketing Executive Show. Dustin Brome, he owns and runs the Massive Agent Podcast. Mm -hmm. And the two of them had told me before, oh, we'll send you referrals. And they had sent me a couple of referrals but I hadn't leaned into it. I've never had any sort of like referral structure where I do kickbacks or thank yous. I still don't have that by the way, but I thought about it then for a minute, actually, I'll tell you, Irene, (laughs) I I reached out to those two and I said, folks, help me out. You know, what can you do for me? And they immediately started sending me names. They started kicking the tires of a lot of people that they had said in the past, Hey, you want to have your own show. Why don't you have a podcast? It'd be great for your business. They re-entered those conversations with some folks and stirred some Mm -hmm. business for me that way. They connected me with other connectors, folks like Kyle Draper, who his show is called Social Media Mindset. And he just has a, when this episode launches, by the way, he will have had a book come out today. I'll look that book up in a minute, but he's got a book all about social media and you uh, loan officers that are listening to this, especially you and your team need to know how to take advantage of social media. That's one of the things Irene and I are really focusing on today is everyone is a content creator if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur. So think about that. Kyle though, is just a furnace of referrals and he just passed them out, left right. And so all of a sudden I rebuilt my business and and it wasn't overnight. It took me about a year, year and a half to get back to where I was. And then now I've surpassed that. But now that business is built firmly. First of all, it's on a lot more clients. It wasn't such a, a small base. And I've got a lot of different services. Some people, I just manage their podcasts, really post and mix, master and publish. Some folks I do full edits and write show notes for like you. Some folks, it's somewhere in between, right? Some folks I'm mm-hmm. doing videos for, some folks I'm only doing audio for, but all of them basically now I'm part of their business strategy. I'm part of their marketing budget, not their disposable income. And so my business is more stable and secure. I can count on that revenue month to month and quarter over quarter. There are rises and falls seasonally based on the nature of the market and like live events that I do and I'm part of and things like that. But I have a base that is significantly higher than it was before that I can count on. And that's a lesson I learned. I will never put my business in the disposable income category for my clients again.
0: Yes, that's a big lesson. You know what I love about the way you describe that is the people that you are connected with connected you with other people. So you are involved with connectors and those connectors connected you to other people who are connectors because like attracts like, right? So yeah, a million, million connector percent and for sure.
1: You've already given me a few referrals too. Here's but here's the lesson that I want to impart, and I think this is a big part of why this why I thought this episode would have value for your audience. If you're not great at this currently, if you can't honestly look yourself in the mirror and say, "Yes, I am also a connector," but you know, as a loan officer especially, or you're a loan partner maybe that listens to this, and you need that skill, you need to be a connector. It's one of the big values that we can bring to all of our clients. How do you improve that skill? How can you practice? How can you put the time in? Guess what? A podcast is a great way to learn how to be a connector. You're forced, first of all, to interact with people that you may not know well or may not know at all. You're forced to do a little research. Who is this person? What are we going to talk about? And how am I going to lead the conversation? You're also forced to learn the skill, Irene, of leading the conversation. You're the host here. You've got an agenda. This isn't a negative thing, but you've got an agenda for what you want to get out of me. Yes. I've obviously got an agenda for what I would like to share with your audience too, right? Now in a perfect world, those align perfectly and we never have to deviate from just a natural free-flowing conversation, but I've seen you do it. We're going off into this direction. You're like, this doesn't have value for my audience. Let's talk about this. And you can refocus that. You can reframe the story that's happening in front of you. Podcasting allows you to put in the hours and to get better at all of those things. So it really does. want to be a connector, start a podcast. Yes.
0: That's a great idea. And a lot of loan officers have started a podcast and they interview successful agents. And that's a really great way to do it. And sometimes they can do it just for their own enjoyment. They can they can recruit that way as well, right? A loan officer could also have a podcast to show how great their knowledge, not how great they are, but their knowledge.
1: I think there are a million different ways that you could take this. And I think the, so this is part of the process. The first thing that you need to decide is you need to agree with us. You need to buy into the idea that you, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a loan officer, as a loan partner, you are a content creator. Buy into that first. Once you bought into that, though, then you have to do ask yourself, what is the format that I want to present this in? And here you start with, what do I like? What do I enjoy? What do I enjoy taking in as a viewer myself? And also what could I enjoy creating? So Mm -hmm. for instance, here's, here's a simple one, Irene, when I wanted to get active and more active on Instagram and Facebook and and TikTok, I wanted to just reanimate and reactivate my social presences. The first thing that I decided to do was I'm a big movie buff. I watch on average over the last five years, like 150 movies a year. A lot. Mm -hmm. I watch a lot. But people don't know that generally. I don't talk about it a ton. I used, I tried for a while, maybe even doing like video reviews. I wrote blogs with like many reviews for a long time, but who reads a blog anymore? So the thing that I finally decided to do was the platform I used to track my reviews is Letterboxd. Uh, It's got a great website and an app. I said, I can take that. I can share an image with my star rating. I can share that to Instagram stories and put that up on Facebook as well. And immediately, within two, three days, I had gotten five or six DMs from different people, and none of those were about business, but it was like, hey, I didn't know you liked that movie. Or, boy, that's a real stinker, isn't it? Or, that's way too scary for me. Or whatever. People were interacting with me on a one-to-one basis that hadn't in the weeks before, simply because I had thrown a little content out there. All it took was one extra little share on my on my smartphone, my my supercomputer that we all carry around in our pockets. But it was just the thing that I was already doing. I like movies. Let me talk about movies. If you're a big sports buff, talk about sports online. Yeah. That whether that's just snapshots and a caption, whether you want to put your face on camera once in a while talking about your favorite team or just wearing the gear – Irene, I've noticed you've commented on a few of my posts because I wear a Dodgers cap a lot. You're a Dodgers fan, right?
0: I'm a Dodgers fan through and through.
1: But whether those people that interact with me are Dodgers fans or they hate the Dodgers, that blue ball cap every now and again is going to get me a comment, right? So it's those sorts of things that you can do to just start testing the waters, find out what you like, find out what you might like to do. And then you just lean a little deeper into that or find out, Oh boy, I don't like that. We'll lean away from that and into a different angle. N- not all of us have to be YouTubers. Not all of us have to be podcasters. Not all of us have to be Instagram stars. Not all of us have to be on TikTok at all. But mm-hmm. if you own a business, you have to talk about your business. And the place to do that in the modern world is on social media. So we've all got to be content creators of some kind. So that's the first thing I would say. And then to dig deeper into that about like how the angles that a loan officer specifically or a loan partner or a loan team as a whole – What do they need to do with a podcast or what could you do with a podcast? You could do, first of all, you could do what you're doing, which is a little bit more specific because you've got training and courses, workshops specifically for loan teams. So your podcast is not just about your training. It's not even mostly about your training. But anything that is on your podcast, you take the opportunity once in a while to tie it back into this is why it's important to build a team. Mm-hmm. This is why it's great to have real training. But loan officers don't have time to train their teams. You see, you're you're providing points through the content that's happening naturally to reference why I'm useful and the services that I can provide to you. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not a hard sell. It's the softest of sells. But it's genuine. It's real. And it, and it makes your podcast more meaningful and direct as an avenue to your business how else could you do it? Listen, I don't have any courses. I don't want to teach anybody how to do this business. I just want to close loans and sell homes, right? Okay, great. What could your podcast be about? The number one thing that I would do if I was anywhere real estate adjacent, loan officer or real estate uh, agent directly, or a brokerage or a real estate firm or any of these things, I would want to be the mayor of my region. Exactly. On social media and in podcasting and on YouTube. And you look, I, I'm not going to pull out any specific examples. There are a bunch around there. I don't, I don't want to call anybody because I'll leave somebody out that I should mention. So, but there are people that are doing this well already, but you could just go around and interview business owners, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs interesting young people in your area that are doing special things. Somebody who started a, a foundation, somebody who's running a charity, all of these things A great new restaurant opens, right? Yes. All of these things are interesting and compelling content about your region and who's highlighting it. Every little area has been robbed of our local newspaper. Most areas the TV stations have consolidated down so that you've got one TV station, maybe for, you know, 400 square miles in every direction. Mm -hmm. Everybody's overworked and stretched tight and they're, and they're all forced by the incentives of their own mediums, by the way, to focus on sensational stories. So you can come in to an open medium (laughs) And take advantage of the, of these people who want to talk about their stuff. And what have you now created? You've created every single one of those interviews that you have. is somebody who loves you and loves your show, talks about it to all their friends, tells people what a treasure you are, how important you are to the region and area. Do you think any of those people might buy homes? Of course. <laughs> Do you think any of those people know anybody who might buy homes in your region? Yeah. Do you think someone who's moving to your region might Google your area and think, what are the schools like there? What are the restaurants like there? What are the attractions that I can take advantage of when I move to insert your town here, right? So that would be the number one thing that I would do if I was a loan officer, a brokerage, a, a real estate agent. And again, there are people that are out there doing that well. Mm-hmm. But that's just that's low-hanging fruit. If somebody's not doing that in your market and you th- you're thinking to yourself as you're hearing this, Well, I got an iPhone. Well, I know a little bit about, I made some videos back in the day. I was in theater in high school, you know, whatever, friend, what are you waiting on? Get out there and take advantage of that opportunity. That's number one. Here's another one that I think so few people think about or, or offer straight up one Oh one type college level courses on mortgage and real estate investment. And some people are doing this, obviously lots of people are selling that type of thing, but you here's the and here's the two values that you would get out of it as a mortgage officer or a brokerage if you created that kind of content first and foremost you could just use it internally to train new partners team members etc right mm-hmm. you want to explain the business to somebody and onboard them where they have enough knowledge to help you file the proper paperwork and whatnot You want to get all of your team members thinking entrepreneurially, where they're all working for real estate investment, where they've all got portfolios by the time they've been with you five, 10 years, start a podcast where you explain that information, where they can listen to it on their free time, where they can share it with their family members, where they can share it with their peers. That sort of thing would establish you with a level of expertise and and reputation among, and you're like, well, I don't want to give it away for free. Why not? Not exactly. Knowledge. The knowledge is not what, what you bring at, that is valuable, honestly, because we've all got Google, right? Anybody right. can find the knowledge if they want the value that you bring as a loan officer that is doing this kind of education would be that you're showing people I've got nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. And all I have in my interest is your interests. I want everybody to succeed with this magic tool that we have, which is called real estate investment. Right. And listen, I speak as a convert myself. I I'm not, I haven't invested in real estate yet. I am still building my nests. Okay. But I have understood through working on shows like yours, there is no other ladder. We talked to earlier about consistency, stability, right? Reliability, things we can count on. There's no other ladder for your average American that is as stable and secure and reliable as real estate investment. That's for it's sure. Just, it's just true, right? There's a, it's a, Snoop Dogg knows it. That was the joke that went around on TikTok a while ago. If you don't own land, you don't own nothing, right? With Snoop Dogg saying <laughs> it on some interview. But it's so true, Irene. And so you all are the wizards. You are, all are the priests that have this information to share with the general public. And when you share it, what do you get? You get a customer and yes. a client. And once you truly share that knowledge and and that mindset and that understanding that investment, real estate investment is the engine to wealth and to freedom, well, guess what? You've got a repeat client, right?
0: And that's the best kind of client there is, right?
1: Yeah, right. So it's, this is not just about the American dream for loan officers. This is about education and the cluing. I mean, it's, it's not the matrix, right? But you know, you, you want to wake people up out of the stupor and yes. say, hey, look, come, come over here into the real world where you can, you can make real money and you can keep it You know, anyway. Yes. Like this is, this is a magical box that you all have access to. And I think more real estate folks, more mortgage folks specifically, I think this is really for more for mortgage officers and mortgage partners and brokerages than uh, real estate folks. But either way. You gotta share that knowledge, and one or both of those things, right? And you could do both at the same time. You could go back and forth. You could high. You could have an interview where you highlight some local business or attraction, and then you have a download where we're just talking business, and I'm explaining this to you. Or you could do it in seasons. Hey, we're gonna do a season where we talk about my local area and why I love it. We're gonna do a season where we talk about real estate one hundred and one and why real estate investment is the path to financial freedom, and it's it's real. This isn't hokum. This it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not easy. it was easy we'd all have already done it right but but it is simple Mm
0: -hmm. it is
1: repeatable it is learnable and i've got the system you know and that's what you should be doing as a loan officer so this is not rocket science this isn't a mystery you got two ideas there if you're a loan officer or a loan partner that's listening to this go and talk to your team and get that thing started
0: Have a loan partner who does the loan consultations, structures the loan, and converts the buyer to work with you? Or maybe you have a loan partner who you would like to move to that position so that you can be freed up to go get even more loans. How about a newer loan officer who could benefit from some training in how to convert buyers to work with them? Our client conversion training is very specific to this role. It will help them convert even more clients to work with you and your team. Here is what we cover at least some of what we cover. How to have clients that regularly say, yes, I wanna work with you. Learn emotional intelligence and how to connect with clients on a deeper level right from the first conversation. Increase confidence. Discover the key to a successful mindset. Memorize scripts, dialogues, and we'll do it with live role play. Set your team apart from other loan officers. Build trust with clients. Win over the rate shoppers. Get more referrals each month. Answer objections from clients with confidence. Structure ideas to give clients great options to build wealth through real estate. Present different loan options clearly and effectively. Master the buyer loan consultation. Know the value of communication and follow-up. Build a great rapport with your team. Our next Client Conversion Training class starts Thursday, April 13, 2023. It's a virtual interactive class on Zoom with live trainers and your team members can attend from wherever they are. As long as they have audio and video, everyone participates. It's a 10 hour live class divided into four two and a half hour sessions from nine to 1130 Pacific time on Thursday and Friday for two weeks in a row. Sign up your loan partner at loanteamtraining.com. You'll find the class on the Client Conversion Training tab. You know, years ago, I got into video marketing through Carl White. He taught me about video marketing. And when nobody else in my town was doing it, I was doing video. And it used to be you had to do an ad, right? And then you do, yes, you do some cold calling, right? But you did an ad and then social media came out and then we could put things there YouTube, we were able to put things on there, you know, and then Google helped a lot. Obviously you, you get Googled when you do things like that, but now we have podcasting, which is taking the videos that you do to another level. They don't even have to watch it. They can just listen to it, which is what I well, really love about podcasting.
1: Let me tell you the biggest difference between Video and podcasting. And I, first of all, I think as a business owner, video is absolutely essential. Social yes. media likes it much more. There's no place really on social media. They've The different uh, networks have tried it at different times, but none of them have a native audio format that anybody likes. You got to make a video out of it. Now you can take your audio and put it with a static image and a little waveform. There's a yes. bunch of apps that do that. And you can put those out on social media and that, that totally works. But video is necessary for our modern age. Audio, here's why audio is important and podcasting specifically is important and powerful for business owners. It is an opt-in medium. No one happens across your podcast accidentally. No one listens to it forcefully in a doctor's office or something. No one stumbles onto it even by a random search. They, even if they search for a, a topic and they find a specific episode, they then have to click into that episode to get more details, and then they have to click play. It's again, they've opted in, and if they follow your show, because that's the nomenclature we're supposed to use now, by the way, follow, not subscribe to podcasts. You subscribe on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, everybody, if you're watching Irene and I on YouTube, but follow us on Apple Podcasts and and uh, Spotify and Google Podcasts. But when you follow a show, though, you are again opting in. You're saying this person is very interesting. I would like you to send me irene's content whenever she creates new stuff it's not in the case of youtube notify me you click the little bell and you get notifications when new uploads are sent or if you subscribe to a channel there's a tab that you can go to and you can see your subscriptions listed with all the channels you know the most recent video in order podcasting is not like that most apps if you follow the show When the new show comes, they're going to send you the download. It's going to be there in your app waiting on your phone for you. Yes. Boy, that's powerful. Yeah, And again, think about what those people have chosen. Would you give anybody the ability to call you automatically whenever they wanted to? No, <laughs> right. <laughs> Call somebody. And when Irene calls, you go ahead and turn that FaceTime camera on and just go right into it. It doesn't matter yeah. whether I'm getting out of the shower or not. I want to <laughs> talk to Irene. Nobody does that, right? We don't give anybody access to that and any access to us in any way like that, other than podcasting. And over time, if someone continues to follow you in your show, they develop a deep relationship with, you Now it's mostly one way, unless they're giving a lot of feedback and you're speaking to them through some other medium. But for the listener, they know the host in a way that depending upon the nature of your podcast, maybe even your spouse doesn't, right? Your spouse doesn't sit to you, sit and listen to you talk about all of your thoughts about topics for hours and hours on end, but there are podcasts with hundreds and hundreds of hours of episodes where they've talked about everything in the world, you know, and those listeners know every little in-joke. They know the time that their dad embarrassed them in grade school, you know, all of those things that come up over time, right? right? That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Podcast listeners go to live events. They purchase coaching and courses. They purchase products. They order mattresses and pillows and vitamin supplements and vehicles and everything in between because they fell in love with a podcast and the podcast host. Yes. Now, how could you as a loan officer take that power of a relationship and and use it in your own business. The leverage that you all could create with those kinds of relationships, even if the audience is never large. Yes. Irene, I'm not talking out of school and we're not going to give specifics, but your audience is not huge. But haven't you already felt the connection that you Oh, absolutely. with that audience? Yes. Let's talk about feedback for a minute. What is it like and and how have you found that to get the feedback on the show that you've been creating?
0: I love it. I, I am amazed at the feedback that I've gotten. I didn't even know some people were listening to it because you can't tell who is listening and who isn't. You just know that people are listening, right? You can tell by your downloads. You can see on the other end how many people you have listening, but you don't know exactly who they are. I'm sure they'll create that at some point, <laughs> but you don't know exactly who they are. But so it's surprising sometimes when people say, Oh yeah, I listened to that podcast or I heard you talk about this. And it it still surprises me because I haven't been doing it that long. But it still surprises me. And it tells you how many subscribers you have, too, which surprised me as well. So it's, it's kind of fun, you know, to know that you're giving valuable information, because that's the reason I started the podcast, was to give valuable information about different topics, not just loan officer topics. As as you know, because you've done all my podcasts, you've, pro, you've produced all of them, there's been times where we talk about someone who knows how to give presentations, somebody who De- teaches us about self-talk. I didn't want a podcast that was only about the loan business. I wanted to mix it in a little bit to give a little bit of uh, variety for people that are listening. Of course, we're geared towards loan officers, but self-talk is, a, is an important topic for loan officers. It's, and it's very right? important.
1: But that episode, and I, I shared some some pieces of it because that episode did a lot for me personally, Irene. I, I don't want to get off track though. We'll come back to the no, this is good. Of self-talk, I promise. You know, for loan officers that are listening to this, as content creators, it's not just about our business. We should focus on our business. That should be what we're creating content for in the broad scheme of things honestly, I think that because if we're doing things right, our we ought to be integrated, right? Our life should be aligned with our business. Our business should be part of our purpose, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yes. But even if, even if that's not super you, you've got to bear parts of yourself in this content that you're creating, whether it be through a podcast or whether it just be through Instagram and Facebook posts or something, don't just make it about your business because if it's just about your business, then why are people choosing you over every other loan officer that they already know, or the mortgage officer that their mother used or whatever, right? The point of the social media world and why Irene, this whole thing, I think really rolls into something that you've been doing for decades already. That idea of self-talk, speaking into the world, what you want and claiming your own goals and then following it up with footsteps, right? You got to put the physical action into it or your goals are just, just wishes. We're not throwing coins into the fountain here, but if you put the traction behind it, the social media world makes that true in a way that never was true for business before Mm -hmm. you couldn't just wish and hope and be yourself and draw people into you in the 70s or the 80s it didn't happen because as you said you got to place an ad or you got to call the radio station or you got to go to the tv station or you got to get in the newspaper or you got to do lunch and learns at the sizzler or whatever it is right yeah today (laughs) facebook and google and youtube have built these businesses that and TikTok, they've built these businesses that are, are on the back of our content and here's the scam folks. So listen to it and take advantage of it. Everybody's like, well, you are the content. Yes. But guess what? Your content can be advertising for somebody other than Facebook. They're going to sell advertising against your content. They're making money when people scroll, they're making more money when people stop scrolling for a minute. So if you can create compelling content, that will make them stop Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube, all of them will love to serve that content to whoever they might have on their apps. And if that content involves drawing people back to you, then it benefits you too. That's free. You don't have to ever place an ad on anything. That's right. You Mm -hmm. just make the content and put it out there. And if it's good information, that's entertaining. If you're genuine, the people who want to work with you will in fact find you. Yes. Google and TikTok and YouTube and Facebook all are serving it to them on purpose. Mm-hmm. They're daily working on the algorithm to figure out who that person is and how can I get Irene's content to her? Everyone succeeds in this algorithm thing. And and I once you realize that, oh, wait, the universe has bent in our favor for some reason. Like, yes. excellent. Let's, let's all grab onto it though and take advantage. And you can't do that if you don't start creating the content.
0: And in creating the content, you can take pieces of that content and you could get one piece of content and create 20 pieces of content from that one piece of content.
1: This again is why I think podcasting is so great and why I do think more people who won't ever really consider it unless they're exposed to some sort of conversation like this, hopefully. I think more people should consider it. There is no easier everybody's like, well, I don't want to make videos, man. Like, how am I? I'm not gonna learn a TikTok dance. I'm not. I don't even read that many books, Irene. I can't make a series about what I read or whatever. But that conversation that we have when we have a, a a podcast like this, you and I got on a Zoom call, which everybody knows how to do. Zoom is recording this thing for us. Yes. I just put my iPhone up here on the on my Mac. It's connected to Continuity Camera. You got a great camera. We both got a little setup behind us, so we look nice. We put on put on our nice outfits today, so we look good <laughs> for the camera, right? But this is just a conversation. You and I have conversations off the air all the time through email and text or whatever. Yes. How many conversations do you have a day in your business and daily life, right? Dozens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just capture a few of those and then you'll find is every moment of it golden or or, you know, a million dollar idea or wonderful. No, probably not. Most conversations might not have value for public consumption, but a couple of your conversations every week do. And even if the whole conversation doesn't, there are moments within it where you have a revelation or the other speaker has a revelation or together you come to a pithy version of knowledge that you both had before, but you've never been able to make it so concise and and bite sizable and digestible. And suddenly you're like, boy, if I could bottle that, I would have changed a lot of people's lives, right? Well, guess what? If you were recording... You could change a lot of people's lives. With it. Yes.
0: <laughs> you know, there's been so much gold that you've talked about today. So many ideas. I think it's great. One thing that I always ask people, and now I'm going to ask myself the question. I've never done this before, but as you were talking, I I was thinking, I'm going to ask myself the question. What is one thing that if you could go back and do it again, what would that one thing be? What's one mistake you've made that you go, if you went back, you would change it. And, not too many things, right? Because we all learn from things, right? We, when we make mistakes, we learn from it. And that makes you who you are, as we were talking about earlier. But for me, it would have been, I've had this idea to have a podcast for years. And I didn't do it. I talked to Carl White about it. I talked to Steve Kiles about it. I talked to everyone I know about it. All of you know my coaching friends and people that I coached and just friends, family, everything. But I didn't take action on it. And if I'd have done this when I first started the training company in 2019, oh my gosh, what a difference it would have made. And I would have reached more people because I'm all about helping people. Of course, I want to get people to come to the training class because that's how I make money. Of course. But my biggest passion for training people is because I didn't get trained when I came into the loan business. That's part of the reason I coach people. I coach loan officers. But the reason I started the training company is because I want to help people. I want to help Mm. loan officers to succeed. And that's how we do it is by helping. Because when you help the team, you help the loan officer and you help the team. So it helps everybody. And I'm passionate about it. But what if I would have started this in 2019? What if maybe I wouldn't have met you then? I don't know. Whatever would have happened would have happened, right? But if I'd have gotten started in 2019 imagine what would be happening right now with how many more people I could have helped. And that's how it is for loan officers. How many people can you help as a loan officer? It's all about how many people you get in front of. That's what it's all about. And I I joke a lot about, I have this amazing training company and it's like, I joke that it's this well-kept secret. Well, it's not a secret. It's just that I haven't spent time really telling people about it, it's kind of like when I was a loan officer, I worked in an area where you could do USDA loans, which is 100% financing, no money down. Most of the time, the seller could pay the closing costs. And that's how we worked it. But did I tell enough people about it? No, I didn't. There were people that we could have helped that we didn't help because I wasn't standing on the rooftops telling people about it. Well, I'm done with that. I'm done with that part of my life. I want to tell people what we do in our training company because we help people to succeed in our training company. We not only help the loan officers succeed, but the loan partners, the processors, all of the back end support staff, they all succeed because of what we can teach them in our training. And so I'm passionate about it. I want to teach them that. So- That is the mistake that I made by not doing it back then. I talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and didn't take action. And, you know, Carl used to say years ago to me, you're an implementer. The first time he said that to me, I looked at him and went, I am like nobody ever told me I was an implementer before. And I used to jump on things really quick. But then when you get busy and you're doing things, sometimes you have a tendency not to jump on things. So this was one of the mistakes that if I could do over again, I would. And imagine how many more people we could have helped. And so that's what I want loan officers to think about today. Are you missing an opportunity to help more people? Because I know all the loan officers that I coach, that's what they're all about. They're about helping people. Yes, we get to make money. Of course, we have to make a living, right? But it's about helping people. And if they can do video, if they can do audio, if they can do a podcast, all of those things are going to help them to reach more people and that's really what it's all about i'm just at the beginning of my content journey just at the oh, beginning absolutely.
1: of it absolutely but and, irene that i'm i'm that is exactly my regret as well by the way i started in radio in 2004 i was living in new orleans in 2008 And I had like an hour and 15 minute commute in the morning and it was like an hour and 45 in the afternoon or evening because of traffic across the city to get back home. That's when I started listening to podcasts in a big way. And I was listening to a ton of them then. I had all the know-how in the audio world. I even had most of the gear already. I had microphones. I I could have gotten audio into my computer. I could have made these recordings. I could have learned how to do it just like the people. And it's not like podcasting was even brand new. Then it was already four or five years old as far as like in Apple podcasts and things like that. So I should have jumped on then. Instead, I waited my first show didn't launch until 2012. I launched my business in 2016. Well, the math isn't hard there, folks. If I had started my podcast in 2008, when I first saw the you know the quality and the opportunity in that medium, then my business, would have launched about 2012 instead of 2016. And so Irene, when you started your show in 2019, I would have already been ready. I would have had those connections with (laughs) folks like Renee to connect you with me. I think about Renee. Renee was another one that he put off his own show for a long time. Oh, what would I say? I, I sell that stuff. I don't want to put it out for free. You know, all sorts of excuses. There are all sorts of reasons not to produce content. Yes, but Irene and I have already given you hundreds for why and you just made the best point of all Irene and I want to center it in and underline it and then I'll stop taking over your show. (laughs) Um, You are all about helping people. Any service industry, any business owner, any entrepreneur should be if you're a good one about helping people. The laws of the universe are that it is abundant, it is vast, and there are too many opportunities for any one of us to take advantage of. There are also, if we admit to ourselves, millions and millions of potential clients and customers that you don't want. That's not somebody that you want to work with, let alone that they would want to work with you, right? So it is not about a competition game. It is not about humility either. That's another thing that I hear people say, well, who am I to start a show? Who Mm -hmm. would want to listen to me? You're someone with knowledge and experience. That's right. And information to share that can help other human beings. Yes. And yes, you can just make the phone calls that you've got lined up this, this week. You can just talk to the people in your area who have filled out a comment card or who have signed up for information or who have reached out on a website or whatever or you could reach the seven and a half billion human beings that are on the face of this planet today, or at least all of the ones that speak your language or can read the transcribed uh, captions by just getting out there and being you. Irene's not asking you to be some, nobody is is asking you to be Oprah, right? We don't need you right. to be a TV host. We don't need you to be Joe Rogan. We don't need you to be a long form content creator, but if you're a business owner you've got information and education to share with people and not all of those people are in your area or are in your market or in your budget right not all of those people will be able to work with you but all of those people can benefit from your knowledge
0: and they all know someone who can work with you that's So it the comes thing. back
1: anyway that's yes. the other law of the universe that I forgot it's the law of reaping and sowing when you sow you reap a multiplied reward. You don't get back what you put in. You get back a multiple of what you've put in. When you put in diligent work, when you give information and education away, when you help people, the universe will come and help you. Absolutely.
0: I agree. You know, when I when I um, got your name from Renee, I was super excited to get started, but I didn't know where to start. I had no idea where to start. And that's what held me up for so long is I didn't know exactly what to do to get started. But when Renee gave me your name and I trust him, I knew that I could count on you to be the one. And I have just had the most wonderful experience podcasting because all I have to do is record it and send it over and you do everything else. And of course, you know, I look at it and, and I very rarely have to make any changes because you're so good at what you do. But it would have taken me forever to do it. And so that was it. It's a plug and play for me. And that's why I enjoy podcasting so much because all I have to do is the fun part. It's this part right here talking to my
1: guest. I think that there are obviously different needs for different people, right? Different people who are out there listening to the show, they might not all need what you needed from me, which is not only the, the backhand stuff. That's true. The other thing though that I think you needed is a little bit of positive reinforcement, a little bit of those th- this this talk that we've already had, which is like, yes. hey, it's not about humility or, or being braggadocious. You've got information and education to share or what does it look like when someone reschedules, Joel? Well, here's what it looks like and here's why the audience won't care or here's how you can avoid that in the past or yes. in the future. You mentioned earlier, you're bad about bringing up and reminding people about your training. That's happened in the podcast, right? You weren't yes. putting in as many references. And and I brought that up. I was like, "Hey, you know what? You could do. We could do this." And you'd be like, "Well, what about X?" Yeah. Not only that, we can do dynamic advertising insertion. Irene, do you have a a live event coming up this month? Right. Yes. Okay. That live event, we can take that information that you record once. We're going to put that in the episode like normal this week because you just recorded it. But I'm going to take that specific information out. I'll put that in an audio form and paste it as dynamically inserted content for just the time window that you want in every episode that you've already created. So again, once you create the content, you're going to find all sorts of different ways to use it, to take advantage of it, to apply new information or new experiences or new opportunities to it. But none of that can happen if you don't start creating the content. And I think some people need someone to show them those sorts of ideas. Some people need almost coaching. And I do this for some clients. It's like, I don't like my voice or I don't like the way I come off on camera or how can I make myself feel more natural when I'm trying to work from a script? For instance, that's something that you've worried about. Do I Mm -hmm. look natural reading off of a teleprompter? Okay. Here's a note. Let's give a little education and information out for free. I'll put my money where my mouth is here. Irene, the number one thing you can do to be more natural when you're reading from a teleprompter or using a script. And by the way, you don't have to have a teleprompter. You could just have your script just off screen, right? And do this exact same trick. Cut your video in individual phrases for delivery, right? Think about the way that we speak. We take pauses. We take breaths. We think about the next thought. Sometimes we have a natural flow and delivery to our content. We don't just deliver the things to Kato all the time, all the way through at the same speed until we are done with the information. First and foremost, that's boring. Second of all, it's not natural at all. Mm-hmm. So for video, lean into that. This doesn't work for live, right? If you want to live stream to Instagram, this isn't going to work. You're going to have to be more natural than this even. But if you want to create produced content, pre-produced content release it, then literally deliver your script in line by line or phrase by phrase, sentence by sentence, whatever you can hold and keep as an idea. Here's the other thing that that will do. If you're not directly looking at the script the whole time while you're delivering that phrase, that sentence, that little section of, of wording, you might end up paraphrasing it, right? How will you paraphrase it, Irene, into a more natural for you language. that's right right? So you write out a great script and you make a good point. You still make that point in the video, but you'll make it more naturally you. Then you come into the video and you cut or you hire somebody like me or even a VA. So a lot of this can be done overseas, by the way, if you're not worried about all the technicality and you're not worried about the coaching back and forth, that's the thing that is more hard when you're crossing cultures or time zones. If you want a real interaction and a real partnership with your producer, like you and I have, Mm -hmm. then you really honestly want someone who's a native English speaker and you want someone in a close enough time zone. You and I are not in the same, but we're close enough that we can work together anytime. If you just need strict production, I just need somebody to cut up this content. I know what I'm doing as far as creating it. I just want somebody to cut it up and I don't want to edit that. That can be someone All over the world. Absolutely great work can happen even across a language barrier. You might have a longer turnaround time, right? But that's okay. You produce ahead of time and you build a, a, you know, a pipeline of content that you're putting out. Mm -hmm. But if you do your scripts like that phrase by phrase and then have someone cut it or cut it yourself where the individual phrases are lining up, you take out all the gaps as you look over to the script, et cetera, et cetera. Now you've got real genuine delivery on each individual phrase. And you've got some dynamic cutting in your video, which TikTok and YouTube and Instagram are all going to like better. Also, you've got a natural point to do the cool zoom in thing, right, where you get in on the face or you or you take a different angle of what you're looking at or you focus in here or you broaden it out or all of these things make your video more dynamic, more compelling for the viewer and also allow you natural points to put the delivery together for yourself so that you're not expected to learn a whole paragraph or get brilliant at reading from a teleprompter script, right? Not everybody has that skill and you're never going to develop it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Simply simplify your life is all I'm saying there. So it's a little bit more work on the post-production side. You got to cut it up, but once you either get good at that or once you hire a team to do it, that's just part of the process. And, And what you get there is genuine content created well for yourself that also leans into the habits that people want on those social media platforms. Yes.
0: You've given us so much good stuff today. We didn't even get to our next topic, which we were going to talk about self-talk a little bit, but we'll do it another time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Come
0: back on and we'll talk about your takeaways about self-talk.
1: I'll tease you with this for years. I didn't believe in the concept of self-talk. I didn't think that it was applicable to my life. I thought it was mumbo jumbo or, or, or woo woo stuff. But I realize in retrospect, I was already doing it through creating the content, through having these conversations with other people who were interested or ambitious or directed or whatever, silly conversations and serious ones. I talked it out. And I think anybody else can do that too. So yes, that's, we'll get to that in a, in a longer form. Uh, yes. Yes. Irene, thank you so much for, for uh, sharing your space with me and, and letting me uh, talk to your audience for a little while.
0: Well, thank you for being on and thank you for everything that you do to produce the podcast. I sure appreciate you and I love all your ideas and I'm so grateful that you were on today. I think you shared some real gold nuggets with the loan officers that are listening and other people, other businesses as well. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this. And if you have, I would sure appreciate if you follow us, not subscribe, right? As I learned today, you follow us on whatever podcast medium that you listen on and We just appreciate you so much. And if you would, if you've enjoyed it, I would sure appreciate a five-star review. That would really help us get seen more. And I'm just grateful that you were here today. And I hope you got some good value out of it. So enjoy the rest of your week. And thank you once again, Joel, for being our guest today.
1: Thank you, Irene. Thanks, everybody, for listening.
0: A loan partner who does the loan consultations, structures the loan and converts the buyer to work with you? Or maybe you have a loan partner or a team member that you would like to move into that position so that you can be freed up to go get even more loans. How about a newer loan officer who could benefit from some training and how to convert buyers to work with them? Our client conversion training is very specific to this role. It will help them convert even more clients to work with you and your team. We help you to be seen as a trusted advisor. We cover every aspect of converting clients to work with you. They're going to learn emotional intelligence, what it is and how to utilize it. They'll discover the key to a success mindset. Yep, we go deep on this one. How to build rapport right from the first conversation. How to ask the right questions. How to answer objections, specific dialogues and strategies to overcome rate shoppers. They're going to practice live with other class members, and they're going to also learn how to ask for and receive referrals, how to master the loan consultation with loan strategies that help the buyer make great decisions for their future. Client conversion training will set your team apart when they implement the training that they're going to receive in our class. It's a virtual interactive class on zoom with live trainers, and your team members can attend from wherever they are, as long as they have audio and video. Everyone participates. It's a ten-hour live class divided into two and a half-hour sessions from nine to eleven thirty on Thursday and Friday for two weeks in a row. Sign up your loan partner today at loanteamtraining.com. You'll find the class on the client conversion training tab.